Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Hey there, this is Nicole. I just have a couple announcements before we get into today's episode. Number one is don't forget I have my next mini nurses retreat on March 3rd. And this time I'm going to be able to offer continuing education credits. So that's really exciting. Look, go to fanon.com and click on unwind retreats. You can figure out how to sign up. The other thing is I have another amazing announcement, but I can't tell you because it's super secret and you'll have to tune in for next week to know. So whatever you're doing out there, I hope you're having a good day. Good evening. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and today I have ER nurse Hannah Anderson uh, on the show today, and I'm so excited because she's our first ER nurse. So we're going to talk to Hannah about what emergency room nursing is really like, what's great about it, maybe what's not great, what's been challenging during this time as they've truly been on the front lines of this pandemic. So that's, I don't know if we'll get into that or not, but I'm certainly interested in that. And then um, anything else that comes up, maybe a story or two, but before we do any of that, how are you doing today, Hannah? Hi, good morning. I'm, I'm doing well. Um, it's my day off. I'm drinking coffee. I'm happy to be here. Um, the past year has had me cherishing my days off more than ever. So today is one of those and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. That's great. Before we get into anything, um, what, what do you do to take care of yourself? Like, what's an awesome day off for you? Mm, How do you okay. disassociate from work? <laughs> this is a work in progress. This is something that the last year has made all of us look at. Mm-hmm. Um, I would not say that I'm an expert. Some nurses are, you know, total self-care champions and experts. And I admire those nurses. I'm not one of them yet, but I think mm-hmm. I will be someday. <laughs> so a day off... Um, We live rurally, we have dogs, so we'd just be lounging at home, drinking my coffee, taking my time, and then Mm. getting the dogs out for a long walk in the rain, in the snow, in the sun, what have you, you know, I'm not a, I don't go, um, you know, into town and indulge in self-care activities like massage or nails or whatever, like people used to, can't really do that anymore. So, yeah. Right. Well, laying low, laying low is my thing. Awesome. It's um, one of my favorite things about when I'm not at work is not setting an alarm. Yes. How great that is. Oh, isn't that beautiful? So wonderful. (laughs) I love turning my phone off at night and double checking my alarm settings to make sure there's nothing on. (laughs) (laughs) So Hannah, what, what, what is emergency room nursing really like? Like what, if someone were to ask you, I guess, like I'm asking you now. Yeah. What 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 is it like? What's a day in the life like? ER nursing is. Um, I think it's very fun. I think most of us would say that. It is also very hard, or it can be. It's um, it's messy. It's the ER is such a gathering place. It's kind of the melting pot of the healthcare system and of all patient populations. Um. And so being in the thick of that is, 
is just like a full on sensory overload experience for your entire shift. You know, there's no flow, there's no rhyme or reason, there's no schedule. It's just uh, you clock in and you see where you're working that day and you go do it. <laughs> um, so it's I, I find that environment fun. I don't think it's for everyone, but mm-hmm. and it is definitely trying. It's stressful. It can um, you usually go home pretty beat up and ready to clock out. But uh, we keep coming back. So that says something. <laughs> um, when you yeah. say it's messy. I think I have. A, <laughs> I think I feel like I know what that looks like or feels like. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Sure. I, uh, it's messy in a lot of ways. It's, it's um, quite literally messy, you know, body fluids and uh, r- just running around and, you know, maybe PPE, maybe not. We do wear PPE. Don't worry. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a mess, you know, and I, I work in a pretty grungy ER. So our, it's just, you're rolling, you're turning rooms fast. There's people are leaking all over the <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, and it's yeah. really not like, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, I, I, I see these patients in the ICU mm-hmm. um, and it's occasionally I would run through the ER mm-hmm. as a stat nurse, but you mm-hmm. know, it's like you prioritize, right? So yeah. Picking up off the floor after you place yeah. like three IVs and yeah. whatever, like it's not a priority. Yeah. It's, no. it's, so the rooms get messy with packaging. The rooms get messy with, you know, if someone throws up over the side of the bed, I'm really more worried about suctioning their airway than cleaning up the puke. We'll get to that later, you know, or okay. the, the lobby is a weird place um, where people wait to come into the ER. It's messy out there. People can be throwing up into bags or bleeding on the floor or pooping themselves. And uh, they're not necessarily first priority, even though they're, they've sprung a leak. Because <laughs> totally. there's probably a more serious leak somewhere else you know? Yeah. So it's messy in that way. And then, oops, you just fell. Um, oops. It's, oh. it's, I'm, I'm here. You're balanced very precariously. <laughs> and then it's, it's just, uh, from an organizational standpoint, it's messy. You know, um, I imagine other departments have more structure in their flow. You know, they have their med passes, the patients have their scheduled procedures. They, this is how I imagine I've only ever worked ER, so I don't know. Mm. So we don't have, um, it's messy in an organizational sense. It's just people are coming in. You don't know what's coming in. You don't know yeah. when they're going to leave. Uh, staffing is what it is every day. Um, it's just a fast-paced roll, roll with it kind of thing. You know. Yes. Yeah, and it's hard. I mean, because so I can speak to this on my end from being in the ICU. You know, we only have so many beds, right? Mm. And but that doesn't dictate how many... I swear. I'm sorry. Um, it's fine. How many fucking I'm a, I'm an ER come- nurse. <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't dictate how many fucking ICU patients come through the ER, right? So, like, right. you have them. Obviously, it's a priority for us to get them up because the acuity is way higher than your other patients. But, I mean, who knows? You as an ER nurse might have, like, four high-acuity patients. Like, they might... I don't know. You it's can probably true. speak to more about that. But, like... There's really, mm-hmm. you don't have any control over the flow. We also don't have any control over our flow. Um, and we get jammed up with a lot of like no. acute, acute care patients who don't mm-hmm. get out. But sorry, that was a, a tangent. But can I yeah. have, oh no, go ahead. No, it's fine. And it's true. Oh, just like the, who knows what you'll be taking care of in any given day. Sometimes it's just an ankle sprain and a finger lack and an old person with nausea. And sometimes it's a nine month old code and a high K and a low blood pressure. And it's like, well, okay, <laughs> where are we going to get up? Oh my God. We're going to get up first. You know, we're, the, the house is in the red. How long have we had this unit patient down here? We, yeah, we have a close relationship with the units upstairs and they're mm. always trying to empty so that we can refill. Yeah. Those dear, dear charge nurses. Yes. What? Oh, you said something that I wonder, you know, there are a lot of people who listen to the show, mostly who are in healthcare, but there are some people that are lay people. So like, mm-hmm. why, why might you not be seen if you, why might you have to wait a long time? Oh boy, this is fun. So, um, 
Like, what do you, I'm sure you must interface with the patients as they, after oh, yeah. they waited for six hours and like, what the, bleep, 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 bleep. yes, I, you get chewed out on the daily by that oh. patient population. <laughs> and so it's just, I mean, the way our ER is structured, we're a dual flow ER. So we get patients in the back through the ambulance bay and we get patients in the front through the lobby, the walk-ins or the clinic call-ins or the friends drop and go, that type of person. Just because mm. they're coming in through the lobby doesn't mean they can walk. Um, and we've done better since COVID because everyone has been staying home. So our numbers have actually been down, which is a funny thing. Um, but before COVID, we could have wait times in the ER six to eight hours, you know, and it we're a 79 bed ER and the the lobby on a Monday, Tuesday afternoon could have 25 to 40 patients in it on a bad evening waiting big to get back. ER. It's a, a big ER. That's a big ER. It's the biggest in the state, actually. I know, beds I was, wise. I was thinking about it. I was thinking about our ER. I was thinking about mm-hmm. other ERs. Um, damn. It's wow. a big one. And we serve a huge county. You know, so how much county is a really big county and we're, we're not the only hospital, but it is the biggest hospital and it's the stroke center and it's the trauma center. So, mm-hmm. um, it's a busy place. I think numbers wise, it might be the busiest in the state. I think it is. I think it's the biggest and busiest mm-hmm. anyways, back to the wait time. So as the greet nurse greeting these people that come in, um, they walk into you thinking that their emergency is an emergency because it probably is to them. And it very well may be by our standards too. Um, but that's really hard for people to realize. And they look at the lobby of already 15 people waiting that they're not necessarily in front of the line. It's, it's a, it's a very quick realization that has to be made on their part that like, Oh, even though I'm having an emergency doesn't mean I'm going to be treated emergently. Um, so, and then triage nurse in the back, you get those patients back finally and they just unload on you. And I mean, I, we just explain it. We just say, you know, we're full. Um, we're doing the best we can. I'm sorry that you've had to wait. I'm sorry that you're in pain. Um, depending on the patient, if I can tell that they can handle it, sometimes I'll say, you know, the ER is only fast if you're dying. So Mm -hmm. if you're waiting, that's a, that's a good sign that our staff is confident that you're going to be okay. (laughs) Um, and you know, I say that with kind of humor and joke in my voice if I can tell that they can handle that because that not all people want to hear something like that but sometimes that's true you know um yeah yeah so we just apologize okay well now you're back let's get to work like let's make up for last time Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know sorry my other patient was trying to die yeah Um, quite literally I tell people that you know I've had someone in one room that's not that acute and they're frustrated because they've been posted for discharge for 45 minutes and they thought they were going to leave right away and no one's pulled out their IV yet. And if, if they chew me out when I walk into the room to finally do that, I'll just say, Hey, look, the guy next door was coding or whatever, you know? And yeah, like if, or, you know, you can't share what, obviously. Real, yeah, but it's right. like, come on, you're not, you're not my only patient. I do say that frequently. Mm-hmm. I try to be respectful, but I say, you're not my only patient. Mm. Sorry. What do you love about ER? Oh, I do love the fast pace. I love that we interact and meet with so many people in a given day. Um, You know, you're not with the same three patients for 12 hours. You're with dozens. Um, I love that. I think I would get bored otherwise. Um, You get to see everything and you get to do everything. It's like a little bit... uh, a little bit cowboy, you know, you can have a neonate in one room and a, a, a super, super elderly person in the next room. And we're just working with the lifespan in that way, working with the disease processes in that way. Uh, mm. It's, you're really, the person that trained me said, cause one day I was in training and I was like, I don't know how I'm ever going to learn all of this. And she said, Hannah, we're Jack of all trades, master of none. Like just uh-huh. keep it moving. Like you're going to see everything and you're not going to be perfect at any of it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you're a specialist at not being a specialist. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I, I find that very fun. I love that. I love, you know, when we get to have satisfaction, like we fix someone, if it's an in and out thing and we get to just like 
they come in, they get their thing fixed and they walk out. That's super cool. Or if they're really acute and um, they wouldn't make it if they don't come in and we get to take care of them and then send them on to upstairs where they're hopefully going to make it. It's just satisfying. It's really like you're seeing real time progress, real time change. Um, Mm -hmm. You might not see the results of that in the ER. It might be a weeks down the road and rehab kind of thing, but it's fun to know that potentially you're part of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You must have a lot of autonomy, right? Cause the docs, yeah. you, they give you what some sort of pre or, you know, ER, what is it? Just some order sets, right. That mm-hmm. you have, like, obviously you can activate like IVs or what's mm-hmm. in that, like IVs, blood draws. We do. I mean, they, if they put in orders, you just see them come across the screen when they have, you know, order sets that come in based on the complaint. So yeah, when you're landing a patient, you start their IV, you draw their blood, you give their meds, you do their EKG, you get whatever other body fluids you need. Um, Cleaning, you know, cleaning them up, whether it's wounds or other messes, we don't close, but you dress, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. a lot of hands-on care and a lot of psychosocial care. That's something we would be amiss to not talk about that the ER is um, it's a lot of psychosocial stuff. It's, you know, it's a place where there's a whole patient population that doesn't really have services readily accessible and they come to the ER and we have, I mean, it might be slow and painful, but we have those services. You know, we have social work, we have discharge placement people, we have uh, meal trays, we have turkey sandwiches. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and um, so that's a ton of what we do. It is not just guts and gore and that kind of thing. It's a lot of just meeting someone where they're at and trying to get them to a better place. Yeah. A lot of those people have fallen through the cracks because we don't have a a safety net for them. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Uh, So you must see some of the same cats. Oh yeah. We have regulars. I didn't know this until I became a nurse that healthcare had regulars. (laughs) You know, that's like, it's like a restaurant or a bar thing or whatever, um, or a coffee shop. Like, you know, their order. I know what you're going to ask for when you walk in the door. Um, totally. And yeah. And some of them just can't get out of their loop within the system. And some of them maybe are using the system and some of them are really honestly trying and mm-hmm. um, it's just not easy no matter no. where they're coming from. So, yeah, I think we have, um, I mean, obviously we don't have enough psych beds. We don't have enough, no, you know, we're grossly underserving our mm-hmm. psychiatric mental health patient. patient. Mm-hmm. We, that is one of our, you know, in terms of the flow of the ER, the flow of the house, the flow of our numbers as an organization in the ER. When you come in in the morning, I work e- evening day shift. When you come in in the morning, charge nurse will read off the number of mental health patients that are in. And a lot of them are on a one-to-one sitter because of their complaint and because of insurance guidelines. Um, and so that clogs up our flow and it clogs up our staffing because if we're short staffed and we're having nurses sit on mental health patients, um, and then social work gets in and they've got, you know, 15 people to get through. And that is so hard to, you know, you might have a 14 year old who's in for a mental health complaint and they're not going to be seen for eight hours. (laughs) And that nurse has that patient and then all the other medical stuff around that patient either other patients so we it's just a it's something I didn't really know about before I started ER nursing and we Mm. do have designated psych beds we have a locked um unit within the ER but this only has four beds like we overflow that all the time um Mm -hmm. and hang on to people because the system is full everywhere you know the admit mental health hospitals get full and we keep folks if they're not safe to go they'll stay with us until we find placement so I mean, yeah. I, what is it that people for two, three days before? <laughs> yeah. Cause so what is that called? I'm going to, I forget what it, what it's called, but so let's say you have a suicidal patient or that someone mm-hmm. can't determine whether or not they're going to hurt themselves or not. So then they have mm-hmm. to have that person when blanking on their name, they change the name. Um, but the, someone has to come the see them with CR. 
Yeah, the DTR. Yeah, probably they have that. to see mm-hmm. them within 72 <clears throat> hours, mm-hmm. which, I mean, that's a long time for someone who's in crisis. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is really challenging to, it is challenging to be on the assignment when you have a full mental health bed in the ER set, the four rooms in the back. Um, all those people are having a personal crisis and it's legit and it is not priority often over the other crises that are happening in the department as a whole. So that's, that's a hard place. It, it, it feels like not a very therapeutic um, spot for them. You know, sometimes it's a step in the right direction, but I, I always hope that those people are onward and upward to better spots for them because we are here for them, but it won't, it's not necessarily comfortable for them. And that's sad Mm -hmm. to to know that they're in that rough of a spot and they're, you know, eating turkey sandwiches for two days straight in our Stuck in a locked room, really, right? Yeah. Not really. And a lot of them will, will uh, I've had, you know, it, it, a lot of people in that situation, they'll look at me and say, this is making it worse. Like I came in for anxiety and now I'm really anxious. And I'm like, I feel you. I, you are not wrong. <laughs> right. Would, I'd be anxious. It would, make, it would make me worse too. Like I get it. Yeah. So. Um. So we talked about a little bit of what's hard, which is, you know, that we have big, you see a lot of people who have fallen through the cracks and they, um, we talked a little bit about what you love. Um, do you have any stories that have stayed with you of patients or like crazy things or great things, um, that you can feel like you could talk about, but obviously HIPAA, but yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, so many people stay with me there. It's, oh, there's so many stories. I don't know. I I think we could talk about some COVID patients because COVID is the flavor of the day or the year or the lifetime for me now. Um, it's, it's a lot of what we do these days. Um, yeah, I could talk about, uh, we're just, we're going to jump into COVID now. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. I mean, I've, I can't imagine how that didn't yeah. totally affect everything that you. Oh, everything's different and it'll never be the same. Um, I think probably the hardest thing, and then I can go into these couple stories and I'm remembering about COVID patients in the early days um, is just the separation from the patient and their family, you know, not having visitors. Um, and when that's a COVID patient, you really can't have visitors, you know? So I, oh, I remember this one guy. So in the beginning of COVID, we had a separate isolation pod called the 300 pod. Cause it's the room of three hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were trying to isolate all the COVID symptoms into that pod. There was the, it was set up differently. You know, the curtains had been taken down. We all wore different scrubs and PPE back there. Um, and uh, we would run their COVID tests and mostly, you know, that's where the COVID positive patients ended up is back there. Or if they ended up not being COVID positive, we'd get them out as soon as we could. But it, it was kind of a team nursing <clears throat> setup instead of having your three rooms that were yours that we all shared. So I remember, and as a COVID nurse in full PPE, you can't really answer your phone all the time. So I remember there was this day I was sitting at the nurse's station. It's kind of a fishbowl design nurse's station. All the curtains are taken out so you can see into all the glass rooms. And the phone on the desk kept ringing and I kept answering it. And the family members weren't able to get through to the direct nurses taking care of the, their patient because we didn't have phones like you would normally. And it was this wife. I don't remember what her name was. We can call her Paula. And I don't remember what the patient's name was and we couldn't talk about it anyways. Um, let's say it was Paula and Frank. Um, so Frank is in, Frank is in respiratory distress. Frank has COVID. We found that out. So she kept calling to check on him. How's he doing? I'm like, well, we don't have the test, but, and I kept being the one answering the phone because I was sitting at the desk. So I'm having this back and forth relationship with Paula. She calls like every hour. Um, How's Frank? Oh, he's, he's doing okay. He's hanging in there. He's still working really hard to breathe, but you know, we're giving him medicine. 
And then an hour later, how's Frank? Frank has COVID. We got his test back. Oh, like, okay, I guess I should probably go get tested then too. Okay. Yep. That's a good idea. Go, go to the drive-in. She's healthy. Um, and then, so we just kept doing this all shift long. She would call and check on him and he was getting sicker. He wasn't doing very well. He was a bigger guy. You know, he had comorbidities probably in his late sixties. Um, we ended up intubating him. It went from walkie talkie through the lobby with minor respiratory distress to getting tubed. Um, and I, and I'm, you know, the nurses and the doctors are so busy that they can't call the family members and let them know that, but she kept calling to check. And I just kept being the one answering the phone. So we had this funny, like all shift long, it just went back and forth. And every time I talked to her, he was sicker and sicker. And, um, I remember when I finally told her, like, we are having to intubate him. And she had heard probably, because this year, people who don't work in healthcare now know what a ventilator is. Mm -hmm. You know, before people didn't know what that meant. And so she, I think it was probably April, she'd been hearing in the news about ventilators and, you know, going on the tube and da-da-da-da-da. And I finally had to tell her, like, you know, we're having to ventilate Frank. We're going to intubate him. And then he's going to go to the ICU and uh, hearing, yeah, her, just her response to that, I guess the story is more about Paula than about Frank, but that's so much of what this has been is dealing and working with family members that can't be with their person. And that just broke her heart. She just started to cry. She's like, Oh my God, he's on the ventilator. Is he ever going to come off? I didn't get to say goodbye. Like, you know, it just, it broke my heart. And because we've just been making progress every hour toward this. So you were talking about Paula and this, Paula quotations, and about this exchange that you had and what you were, sorry, we had a little technical difficulty. So I'm going to try to bring this back around. So um, anyway, what you were saying though, is what's probably been the hardest part. Can you talk about that again? what's been the hardest part about this pandemic? Yeah. The hardest part about the pandemic for me, and I think a lot of nurses would agree, um, is the separation of the patient and their family, not allowing visitors in the ER, um, family sending their person in, not knowing if they're going to see them again that day, that week or ever, you know, we've, the hospital has gotten better about, you know, when someone is actually on end of life care, we can allow a visitor um, upstairs or in the ER. But in the beginning, it wasn't like that. Uh, So people were really dying alone from COVID. And I think now if you have COVID and you're going to pass away, I don't know if your family can be at the bedside, but um, we've, we've made great strides in reconnecting people when possible and appropriate. But that, that has for me been probably the saddest piece is that, People are coming in with COVID, either very, very sick or maybe not that sick, but if, but they're scared, it's scary and they're alone and you have a stranger taking care of you and that stranger is busy and you don't, you know, there's so much fear from what people read in the news and what we've seen happen all across the world. And uh, people are just terrified. (laughs) People are typically terrified when they come to the ER, but they're terrified in a different way. The level of anxiety is up so much for patients and for a staff. Um, so you've got an anxious nurse taking care of an anxious patient where, you know, a year and a half ago, that relationship just looked so different. Mm. So that, that's been hard. Um, you know, just the early days, people going upstairs alone and really not seeing it. I sent a lot of people upstairs that probably never saw their family again. Um, I remember, I know, I know. I remember one day our, one of our respiratory therapists was, we were just talking about how isolating all this has been. And she said, yeah. And I know how they need the hospital needed to take care of staff carefully during this time. And she said the other, I worked a shift the other day where I extubated five people in the ICU with COVID who all died alone. There was no one at their bedside but me and their primary care nurse. (laughs) Five people in one shift, like that shouldn't, I don't think that they would let that happen anymore. But in the early days for that staff member to be dealing with that load, um, 
you know, now we get family on Zoom calls or whatnot. Um, our chaplains have been awesome. But just, yeah, think about that. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, totally. And I, I think that this is, I don't know, it's like, I keep thinking about this and healthcare workers and, and war times, you know, or like what, what people mm-hmm. have been experiencing behind what we are experiencing behind closed doors within the hospital. Mm-hmm. Right. And all in the public mostly mm-hmm. doesn't see it. And obviously in certain areas, it's been way worse than others and in different times, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I've said this a number of times on the podcast, like, I don't, I wonder about the longevity or like what, what's the long-term fallout from this and like mm-hmm. worry about our, all of our mental health and, you know, yeah. I just, uh, yeah. Like, it, hmm. there's, a, there's a lot of unknowns in that, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it will, it'll just never be the same. It'll never be the same. I think there's an amazingly high amount of burnout. I think there's, you know, the, there's some heroism going on that for some people feels good to be part of, but I think that pales in comparison to just the hardship of all of this, you know? Um, mm-hmm. When you asked me how I was doing earlier, I'm like, well, I'm fine, but I'm not, you know, it's like definitely not thriving a little bit more than just surviving. Mm-hmm. I'm just getting by. And I think a lot of people are just getting by. In the beginning, it felt like, survival like oh god just like get through the day get through the week yeah now it's kind of normalized which is spooky that this is just kind of the way it is now yeah uh this is just our job and it's not going away and so now it's just kind of a getting by Mm -hmm. and that's pretty weird it's tiring we're all tired we're very tired and you must be working full-time there right I work, my, I'm a, like, a, what am I, point six. In the beginning of this, I was a point eight. So I was almost full-time. I've cut back a little, which is nice. Um, yeah. But even it's, that, doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that it's not hard. Yeah. It yeah. It doesn't trip you. Of your- <laughs> I have a couple more days to sleep in, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's, been, it's been yeah, a long it, year. Yeah. I think that's like, um, yeah, I think it's more, it feels more, more than burnout, you know, like it feels mm-hmm. like pandemic. It's different than burnout. And- it's not nursing burnout. It's, it's like that, but pandemic fatigue, it's almost, it's different than compassion fatigue. You know, they yes. talk about compassion yeah. fatigue. That's a thing. It's different than that even. Yeah. You're just kind of like soul tapped, you know? Um, yeah. Uh, like, I, and I talked to my coworkers about this. A lot of them have gone to different departments or taken a break from nursing. And uh, it's just, where people just feel kind of strung out, you know, like inward. There, people are just kind of going inward because you no longer can go outward to get your needs met mm. and to feed yourself. And, you know, we're just we're irritable. And I had the other day I was chatting with a girlfriend at work. She's like, I just keep snapping at my boyfriend. I'm just like irritable. Or we have a shorter, shorter um, reserve for patients who are challenging. Yeah, snap, people snap at patients. You know, talk about snapping at their patients more than they ever would have in the past. Like, it's hard. You don't want to, of course not. Oh, God, you no. know. Uh, You're here to take care of people, but when you can hardly take care of yourself. Yeah, it's hard. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Like, you and me, buddy, we're in the same boat. I like when say you're that star- all the time. Oh, really? I say, you know, we're in this together. You know, like I'm living in this world too. Yeah. You know, That's like, hey, we're both, we're both human here. Like, don't talk shit to me. Or you may not feel it right now, but we're on the same team. Like, we got to be. Otherwise, there's no way through this. Yeah. You know? Okay. Question for you about <sighs> the, way, the way through. I have a, <laughs> Have you... Have you gotten the vaccine? Oops. Have yeah. you gotten the vaccine? And like, what do you, I know you're not a, you don't have a magic ball, but like, what do you think this is going to mean in like six months? Um, but like, yeah, I would imagine that probably not a lot will change in six months, but I hope that 
the vaccine. Yes, I have got the vaccine. I got the Pfizer vaccine. I got both rounds. I was not sick from it. Yay. Check mark. Yay. Um, yay. Got a little tired the day after the second one, but you know, I went to work both days and, and I functioned. I think that it's going to take a while for that to make the rounds and make a difference on a big picture, you know, large scale in terms of getting back to life. I hope that one day it is kind of like getting the flu shot. Like people are encouraged to get it. It's not mandatory. It's highly recommended for certain patient populations. And maybe that maybe, I don't know, maybe it will be like COVID season, flu season. Mm-hmm. We see COVID, it hits certain patient populations like the flu always has. Yeah. Um, we are a very long way from that, you know, 400,000 people don't die of the flu every year. It's, I don't know. What is it? More like 80,000. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not yeah. the same thing. Not the same. But I think, I just don't think the vaccine is going to make it go away. And that's, I think, a, probably a pretty common misconception. Mm-hmm. I hope that it brings it down in a way that lets life happen a little bit more. <clears throat> yeah, I'm wondering, <laughs> what do you, what are you looking forward to doing? again when you feel like oh is this too sad to talk about no it's good okay it's fun I like it I because we talk about this all the time right I think Mm -hmm. oh I just miss oh we took so much for granted uh so much for granted live music both both my boyfriend and I are ER nurses we work together and we talk about this all the time how much we would love to just go to a show like just go to whether it's a bar or it's outside concert venue just like so normal to just go listen to some music or go out to eat and not feel bad about it you know right um I look forward to seeing friends and family more again you know I see my parents um but that has been limited and it's different than it ever was you know you can't just walk in your mom's house like you used to and sit at the table and have snacks it's like, are you sick? Or have you been around anyone this week? Or da, 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 da. you know, it's like anxious. Everything's anxious. Even if you're doing it, you're anxious about it. Absolutely. Um, which is so weird. It's so weird. I feel like I've lost some social ability. Like I don't know how to just be. <laughs> <laughs> we were, yeah. um, we were, so I'm out of town. I'm doing this interview from the road. Rob and I, mm-hmm. my husband and I wanted to get out of town just to spend another day of this right? and burn another day of the pandemic. Yeah. Um, also, it's his birthday. So we just saw, you know, how, what, what the hell, we'll get out of town. So Happy we went, birthday. Yeah. <laughs> thanks. I'll, I'll, I'll tell him. So we went to, you know, this like um, patio last night that's associated with the hotel we're staying with. And it's got these like big bonfires that are like really far away from people, but it's still, like you said, there's a little bit of this anxiety Mm -hmm. that you're like, Mm -hmm. like, what are the chances? You know, I know. Is this cool? Is this cool? I mean, I know we're like actually like 10 feet away from Mm -hmm. people outside, you know, you know, Um, you're healthy, you know, you know, everyone used hand sanitizer, but yeah, am I being a hypocrite? Is this cool? Yeah, I know. And it like feels so good just to like kind of be in sort of a semi Mm -hmm. place, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, anyway, it's, it's not normal. It doesn't feel normal. It doesn't feel normal. And I don't know when it's going to, you know, it's not going to be like the veil is lifted in a matter of a week and life just goes back to normal. Like you were saying earlier, what are the long-term repercussions of this? It's just socially, I don't think it's going to feel normal for a really long time. Yeah. Do you, um, gosh, I was, I had to try it. Mm, it might be gone. Oh, <laughs> what, um, do you think it will be like, we're just going to be living with it for a long time, right? Living with COVID, living with COVID on some level. That's how I, I feel know. right now. Yeah. 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 Hopefully someday it, it leaves the streets quite so much and it comes into the hospitals more. And it's just like something that healthcare people know about mm-hmm. hopefully someday. But, uh, but I don't know. I mean, I don't, I the pandemic, like the way that this has impacted all people, 
whether or not they work in healthcare. We've never seen this happen before, you know, where people are, and I've talked to, we, I work with a few nurses who have been nurses for 40, 50 years and worked through HIV, HIV. and AIDS, worked, you know, in places with a lot of TB, a nurse that worked overseas in Japanese encephalopathy and all, you know, all kinds of stuff. She's worked with everything over 50 years. And mm-hmm. um, she said she's never seen it like this, that this is the worst it's ever been. And, and that it's the most, it's permeated the entire culture. You know, that it's not just isolated to healthcare. It's impacted everybody and everybody has this awareness um that is what I don't know I don't know if and when that's going to ease you know or I we talk about my boyfriend and I talk about childhood right now what a strange childhood oh my gosh going to school online not being able to hug your grandma not seeing your friends uh I hope dearly that children get to get back to normal childhoods but like if this goes on for years how is that going to impact them yikes yeah and uh, and then you know my husband my husband and I were talking about um like to be a high school student like oh, this was your senior year the and drive I, by proms oh my god and like you know nothing <laughs> you can't really celebrate let's look what is it um well milestone or you know this yeah you can't right have of passage the- the football game, the homecoming, the graduation, the all yeah. that stuff. Going to university. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, I mean, oh. how sad would that be? It's You're so like, sad. Wanting to, I mean, going to college was so great. Mm-hmm. Just oh, dorm, you know, not living at home, being around all kinds of new people, and I mean, it's fraught with ca- challenges too. But like, it's a, it's like I said, it's like a rite of passage. It is. And they're totally getting gypped. Whenever I have patients who are in their teens and I'm like, what are you up to? You know, I used to always be like, oh, you're 17, 18. Like, are you in high school? Or what do you think you're going to do next year? Are you, you know, you know, working and go to college, you can travel. And now I ask that, I still ask those questions out of habit. And then I'm like, oh, foot and mouth. Cause of course they're in online school. <laughs> And they're like, well, right? I know. They're like, well, I'm in online school, or da 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 da. da. I don't know what I'm going to do next year. Like, I'm not moving out of my parents' house, or you know. Or the other day, a doc was talking about her 18 year old son, and she's like, "We're trying to like tour colleges right now, but it's all virtual. Like, he's going to all these orientations online, and like, how weird. I feel like it's just like cyborg world. I don't know. So weird. Scary." I hope for them. Yeah, I hope, man, I really do hope that like, gosh, things will be different. Let's say if everybody is getting like um, um, vaccinated, that maybe mm-hmm. they can go to school, maybe teachers will be teaching, you know, and whatever. I mean, mm-hmm. I imagine that we'll get there eventually. Oh, yeah. I just we've got to. Yeah, we, <laughs> we'll find a way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I think by next fall, I think it would we, I mean, with all the new vaccines out there, Johnson and Johnson's about to have one. Mm-hmm. Novavax is going to have one. Yeah. I know we have the strains that are happening, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's, you know, what, I don't know, 300 million more doses going to be real, get mm-hmm. really soon of, I forget That's which. That's amazing. Of like Pfizer and Moderna, you know, but that won't yeah. happen right away. But like, what's our global, our U S population, isn't it? Like, don't, I don't know. It's over 300 million. Right. So then if we have a couple of, anyway, I feel like we could get there. That's what gives me hope. I think it will definitely make leaps and bounds of progress. Yes. I don't think it's going to stay like this forever, but I just think it'll be a very long time until it feels like things are back to normal. Like we have to let go of normal and just be excited for change. I know, <laughs> you know, I will say um, what's been encouraging for me to see is that, you know, we have surges of COVID. COVID's never gone away for me and my county and my hospital. Um, but in the beginning, people did seem to be a lot sicker. We definitely saw like the scary, tragic stories first, and now we still see tons of COVID, probably more than ever. 
people just walk through the door. I know I'm COVID positive. Da 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 da. Um, that wasn't happening in March, but they're walkie-talkie with COVID. You know, they're mm-hmm. it's people are sick, and we get to discharge them home. Most people go home now. Yeah. Um, which is so cool to see. Like, yes, it's still here. Yes, maybe the numbers are worse. And I don't know if this is true through the entire country or the world, but from my firsthand experience, people haven't been at death's door like they were in the beginning. You know, getting COVID now is not the same as getting COVID was a year ago. Yeah. And it's just now, so weird that it's been a year. I was working the other day. Yeah. And I think it was the January 19th, our first case. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I work at the hospital that had the first yep. diagnosed American case. I'm sure it was here first, but diagnosed. Um, I was, I think I was starting someone's IV. And then over the loudspeaker, the chaplain comes on in real time. It wasn't a recording. And she goes, you know, today is, I think it was January 19th or the 20th. Um, one year of the anniversary of COVID being in America and they went through this whole thing. They were like at, you know, 7.20 p.m. The patient checked in and da-da-da-da-da. And we would like to take a moment of silence to honor oh, 400,000 plus people. This is like happening in real time over the loudspeaker in the entire hospital. I'm working on a patient. And I almost started to cry. I was just like, oh. They, they're chatting to me about their med list. And I was like, wait, <laughs> stop. Stop. <laughs> listen to this announcement that's happening. It like, I didn't know they were going to do that. It sent chills. You know, it's like anytime we have a moment of silence for something, you know, whether, you know, it, that it was just, I, it really shocked me more than I would have, more than I was prepared for, I guess. It's, I mean, I totally got chills when you said that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then it's interesting if you just take a moment and like reflect on this year, like I kind of don't want to, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's so much personal mm-hmm. and, you know, I mean, if obviously in the beginning was the beginning was the scariest fucking time. It was scary. So it was so mm-hmm. scary to be a healthcare worker and nurse at that time and not really know and not really yeah. have, you know, like we just didn't like, we weren't universally testing everybody. We weren't universally masking as nurses we weren't mm-hmm. um you know we we just didn't have things in place because we didn't know a lot of stuff and so you just didn't know and then every but, day I came to work there were different guidelines <laughs> yeah <laughs> every shift <laughs> yeah yeah okay so I have a random I just had a random thought yeah and that yeah. is you know, we also have some new nurses and nursing students sometimes mm. who listen to the show. What do you, do you have any advice or to any, so any new nurse who wants to work in the ER or needs any sort of encouragement, like what, what could you say to anybody out there? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, wow. Well, hell of a time to be a new nurse. You'll definitely learn your shit. (laughs) Um, Welcome. Like, don't be scared. Like, welcome. If you know, and I would say now is as good a time as any to like you are going to work. And that is a good thing. You know, you probably got into this trade to work and help people and make change. And it also pays pretty good and you get days off. You're going to get all those things still, you know, Mm -hmm. COVID didn't change that. Um, Right. And, uh, I would say that. And I would also say if this is scary and it's not your thing, don't be down on that. Like if, if nursing isn't your thing and a lot of yeah. people go to nursing school and then never work as nurses, I would say that is okay. You know, yeah. like don't, if that is, people are having that realization right now, that is okay. Just now is the time to just be real with yourself and do exactly what you need for you. Um, You know, I've thought a lot about how nursing students are finishing their last quarters online and doing like uh, sim lab clinical rotations and that kind of thing. Like how weird, right? Um, And at first I thought, wow, like they're not going to learn anything. We're going to have all these new grads that have never touched a patient. And then I, you know, I thought more about that. That's not very supportive. And the reality is, you learn everything you need to know on the job. Mm-hmm. This is one of those careers that 
you know, you learn things in nursing school, but really when you think about the things that you do throughout the day on your shift, that is stuff you learned on the job. Yeah. All the hands-on skills, all the, you know, the ability to interact with the patient. You can't mimic that in sim lab in real life. You can't mimic that in computer sim lab. That is just stuff you learn on the job. And so for new nurses coming in feeling like they've never touched a patient, yes, that's going to be scary, but I would say to them, like, you're going to learn, you're going to learn fast and you're going to learn in real time. And, and that's how it would have been anyways, pre-COVID. Maybe they just didn't know it then, you know? Um, That's true. They might need a little bit more. Yeah. It's going to be okay. They might need to touch more. Yeah. Yeah. To learn some of those dexterity things, but I, yeah, I think that's great. You're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. And need you. This is a, yeah, it's a welcoming place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We need you. Sorry. It's not, it's a different kind of place to come into at the moment, but yeah, we're happy to have you come in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, Hannah, it's been really good to talk to you. Likewise. Thank you Fun. so much for t- telling us all about the ER and what that's like and dealing with some technical difficulties on my end and then but anyway it's been really fun to talk to you i i'm so happy that you would decide to do the show any last closing thoughts for anybody out there ah let's see last closing thoughts oh i would just I, i say this to myself and you and everyone just be gentle with yourself be kind take your long coffee mornings, whatever it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the light is just starting to flicker in the, at the tunnel of change, not the tunnel of the end, but the tunnel of change. And that's really cool. And daylight savings is around the corner. You know, it's, it's happening. Spring's coming. So like, yeah, yeah it's this spring and the summer is going to be really different than last spring and last summer. And we're kind of, it's, it's a time to just live in the season. And, and keep moving so thank yeah, god <laughs> thank fucking god oh my god uh thank you so much hannah for being on the show thank you I, nicole it was fun so absolutely fun. thank you and as always everybody out there stay safe and stay sane and we'll see you on the next one absolutely Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.